Genesis chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Let us now give our attention to the reading and the hearing of God's holy and inspired word. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? The steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward the heaven. And tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And Abram believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Then the Lord said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? The Lord said unto him, Take me an ephir of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And Abram took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. When the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, an horror of great darkness fell upon him. The Lord said unto Abram, Know of surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterward shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Cadmonites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Rephaims and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites. <clears throat> this is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. <clears throat> well, as we look at chapter 15 this morning from Genesis, here we have an introduction to the Abrahamic covenant. This is a formal inauguration of the covenant made with Abram. God confirms his promises to Abram and ratifies his promise with a covenant. Uh, 
This is a covenant made with Abram called a covenant of promise. We saw the covenant under Adam, which was a covenant of beginnings or a covenant of creation. Then we saw that covenant made with Noah where God would promise to save a seed. Then we see again through the Abrahamic covenant that God's promise is always to save a seed. And so here God makes a promise with Abram. And we see in verses 1 through 6 that the Lord renews his promise with Abram. Now there in verse 1, chapter 15, it says, After these things... This shows a connection to chapter 14. Some scholars uh, see chapter 14 as something that was added by a scribe later. And yet chapter 14 is very important because it tells us that after Abram rescued Lot, after Abram waged war against the kings and resisted the reward from the king of Sodom, then the Lord appears to him to confirm his covenant, to renew that promise that he made with him. Now, if you go back to the previous chapters, the Lord has already told him that he was going to give him a seed. He's not been renamed. He is still called Abram, which literally means a high exalted father. But later his name would be changed. But the Lord has already told him he's going to give him a seed. That there's going to be a seed that no man can number. And then as we come to this passage, the Lord comes to Abram after that event of chapter 14 and tells him in a vision, it's like Abram is a prophet that the Lord appears to, and he tells him, fear not. Those familiar words reminding Abram, there's nothing he needs to fear. Perhaps... Abram could have thought maybe there will be some retaliation from these kings. Perhaps there will be some fallout. The Lord tells him, do not fear. So as he tells him, do not fear, he reminds him that I protected you. That the Lord was his shield in battle. And not only was he his shield, but he was also his exceeding great reward. Notice there in that phrase, exceeding great reward, that God was a reward to Abram that far exceeds any reward in this world. In the last part of chapter 14, you remember the king of Sodom came to him and he was just elated over the fact that Abram defeated these kings and now the king of Sodom wants to give him some reward for his valor, for his victory. And he refused to take it. And yet the Lord reminds him that he will gain more than just earthly riches, but he will gain a heavenly reward. I think it's important to understand in the Abrahamic covenant, we don't want to miss through all the um, details that in this covenant of promise, God promises to give him more than just earthly wealth, more than just an earthly reward, but something far beyond. For he looks not to the cities of the world, but he looks to that city that is yet to come. So in this fourth appearance that God makes with Abram, he assures him of his promise that not only 
Was he his shield? He says, I am thy shield. Notice it uses that word, I am, referring to the fact that God is the I am. He is from everlasting to everlasting God. He will be a shield, and he will be a great reward unto him. And so here he's assured of this promise, this promise that does indeed come by faith and not by sight. But as we look there in the renewal of that promise in the first six verses, we see that Abram begins to lament that the promise has not been fulfilled. God has already told him he's going to give him a seed. He says, but where's the seed? I am childless. And then he refers to this steward in his house who is called Eliezer. Now, back in the Old Testament, if one did not have a child, he would adopt an heir. And that one that he would adopt would take care of all of his affairs, would look after him, and he would be entitled to everything that was in that house. And so he says, I have this steward, and he says everything is entrusted to him. And so Abram says, no seed has been given to me. No one born in my house. And so as he laments that the promise is not fulfilled and that this servant in his house would inherit his estate, the Lord gives him this wonderful promise. And he gives perhaps more detail here as we come closer to the, to the particulars of this Abrahamic covenant But the Lord says, this shall not be thine heir, referring to Eliezer. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. In other words, the Lord is saying that you will produce a seed from your own body. And he thought, I'm sure Abram was thinking at that point, now wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. Because Abram is getting older. We don't have a chronology of time here, but... There is a lapse between chapter 14 and 15, probably of several hundred years, perhaps. And yet the Lord comes to him at this point in this season in his life to confirm to him, to renew that promise that indeed the Lord would keep his promise. And so Abram would have a son. And verse 5 says, And he brought him forth. And said, look to the sky, look at all of those stars, and count them if you can. You ever tried to count stars on a clear night? It's impossible. Abram couldn't couldn't count them. And yet he said, so shall thy seed be. In other words, your seed will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Notice verse 6. Abram believed the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. This is a beautiful picture. Oftentimes when people miss the Abrahamic covenant as a covenant under grace, a covenant that points to a fulfillment yet to come, we find here that Abram believed God. 
And Abram trusted in what God said. And it says his faith was counted to him for righteousness. And so we see the fulfillment of that Abrahamic covenant. Abram believed God and it was reckoned to him or imputed to him as righteousness. Before circumcision was even implemented as a sign of that covenant, he is accounted before a righteous and holy God as righteous in him. Galatians chapter 3 speaks of that gospel that God preached to him. That gospel he believed that by faith alone he was accounted righteous before God. And here, so clearly in the Abrahamic covenant, we have a reference to that passage that's found in Romans, that he believed the Lord and it was counted unto him as righteous. And so we hear, we see again the gospel, even in the book of Genesis. And so the promise of that seed is given. The land promise is also renewed. Remember that land promise is one that is typical of a far better country than just that physical land of Palestine or that region in which he lived. But as we see there in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, Hebrews tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By faith, Abram took hold of the promise of God, and we too, by faith, can take hold of the promises of God. Now, it's worth noting that Abram never lives to see the fulfillment of that promise. In fact, it tells you there in the text that he will, his people will serve, um, will be enslaved for 400 years. Abram will be gone long before the fulfillment of that promise, which shows us that the fulfillment of that promise is yet to come under that seed, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we don't want to miss that connection to the seed that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only does the Lord renew this promise with Abram, we see in verses 7 through 21 that the Lord confirms his promise by way of covenant. We've already seen that the Lord always confirms his promise by way of covenant. How did he do it under Noah? You see it every time you see rain. There's a bow, there's a colored bow in the sky that is a promise that God will fulfill his covenant. And it's the same under Abram. God would indeed confirm his promise by way of covenant. There in verse 8 it says, the Lord tells him, I'm the one, he reminds him, I brought thee out of the land of the Chaldees, out of Ur of Chaldees, to give this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord, how will I know that I shall inherit it? That's a good question that Abram raises. But as he asks that question in verse 8, the Lord ratifies a covenant for Abram in order to guarantee the fulfillment of that promise. 
And so he tells him to take a heifer of three years old, a, a young female cow, to take a she-goat of three years old. These are young animals, a ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And here is a strange thing that happens, and we don't see this uh, other than here. But God has him take the carcasses of the animals, divide them in two, and lay them opposite of each other. Perhaps this is on some kind of altar, an altar of stone. But he lays these pieces side by side. And then verse 11 says, When the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And so here, he guarantees the fulfillment of that promise. But he gives some specific instructions to prepare the animals for sacrifice. Perhaps this is an indication early on in Genesis that God provides for salvation through sacrifice. And so the way this takes place, verse 12 says, He causes Abram to go into a deep sleep. And notice all of this that's taking place. Abram is seen when he is in a deep sleep. The text tells us in verse 12 that there was a horror of great darkness that came upon him. And then there in verse 13, he reminds him that there's a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in, a, in the land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them 400 years. That's a long, long time. And then nation whom they shall serve, the Lord will judge and afterwards shall they come out with great substance or great wealth. He would return his seed to the land, and the Lord would bring justice to his enemies. We see the fulfillment of the promises comes with suffering and glory. Beautiful picture of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that just as we see in the life of Abram, Promise fulfilled with suffering and glory. So in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of that promise is made through the suffering and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there in that deep sleep, verses 17 through 21, God symbolically ratifies His covenant, His promises by way of covenant. There in verse 17, and there's a lot of, of things taking place here, but in verse 17, it says it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, there was a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between the pieces. And here the picture is of the presence of the Lord God. Fire pot for a portable stove, a torch for light. These all represent signs of God's holy presence. And particularly, as many um, Puritan fathers note, this is a sign that Christ passed between the sacrifices, even under the Old Testament, and that this sacrifice would be fulfilled, not by human effort, but by grace alone. And so the Lord Jesus Christ would come, He would die so that covenant would stand firm 
that it would indeed be a surety. This would long be after Abram's gone. Even his descendants, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, and all of their generations, long after. We see the Lord God coming through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in this symbolic picture of the ratification of that covenant, God swears His promise will be fulfilled. God says, if the promise is not fulfilled, then may the terms of that covenant, may the curse of that covenant be upon me. And so here, the Lord clarifies that that promise would indeed be ratified. Then in verses 18 through 21, he clarifies the boundaries of that covenant. This is where some people get into trouble. They, they see the boundaries as, as particularly related to a land, and that's some of the controversy even today in uh, Palestine or Israel, um, that it becomes a physical land and people accentuate the physical land. But here in verse 18, in the same day that the Lord God made a covenant with Abram, saying unto thy seed, I've given this land. How far? From the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. And then verses 19 and 20 show that the boundaries of that covenant extend far wide, indicating that when the terms of that covenant are fulfilled in Christ, the promise is, expands to include the entire earth, that the earth would be covered with the whole glory of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the kingdom of Christ in fulfillment would encompass the entire earth. Christ's kingdom in that land of Canaan was a type of that glorious kingdom yet to come. But notice there in Hebrews chapter 11 and verses 8 through 10, by faith, Abram, when he was called to go into a place that he would receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned in a land of promise as in a strange country. For he looked for a city, verse 10, which had foundations, whose builder, maker, is God. And so we see that Abram trusted in the Lord by faith, even when he didn't see by sight. And yet God showed that Abram was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God Abram was not looking for a promise in that physical land. Abram was looking for a promise far beyond that. But as we understand a little more, perhaps, the nature of this Abrahamic covenant as God inaugurates that covenant, we remember that all of the promises, as Paul says, in Christ are what? Yes and amen. 
we can stand with confidence in all of the promises that Christ has made for us because He swears and fulfills the terms of the covenant so that those curses of the covenant would not be poured out upon us, but the blessings of that covenant would be ours by faith. And so we can indeed sing to the glory of God's name, remembering that He has fulfilled all of the promises that He has made for His people. Psalm 81b, Hear, O my people. Sweet, he always keeps supply. 